Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann is dedicated to teachers. I'm Brett from Heinemann, and today on the Heinemann Podcast, we're learning about creative ways to grow our thinking. Tanya McGregor is the author of Ink and Ideas, Sketch Notes for Engagement, Comprehension, and Thinking. In it, Tanya explains the power behind putting words and pictures together in the method of sketchnoting. One of the benefits of sketchnoting is bringing focus and strengthening memory. It also allows for multiple perspectives in the classroom to be represented in authentic and personal ways. Our conversation begins with Tanny's first introduction to sketchnoting and her grandfather's profound influence on her work. Well, I think I just observed him for hours upon hours. Growing up about three hours from our family's farm, I visited in the summertime, and he was always very busy, as you can imagine, with jobs around the farm from 4.30 in the morning until after it was dark. But when he would come into the house, he'd often sit in this recliner in their parlor room and this old, you can sort of picture it, in the Appalachian Hills, uh, this white house punctuating this green landscape. But he would sit there often with some reading just to relax. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I always noticed a blue pin in his hand and was confused for a while about why he would even bother to take notes because I associated notes with an assignment Mm -hmm. or studying for a quiz. And it wasn't until years later that I started to realize that for him to understand as deeply as he needed to and wanted to, he needed to pause and sort of decelerate himself and make his thinking visible. And he was a man of action and work all the time. (laughs) And so it was really just some of the few times that I ever saw him slow down and just happened to be reading and writing and sketching were part of that process for him. Well, and as you sort of go through the early part of the book, you you talk about how as a student yourself, sometimes you were allowed to sketch no and other times you were forbidden from it. Mm -hmm. Why was that? Yeah, and maybe I didn't really understand the why behind that until I had my own classroom. I know just speaking from experience teaching first graders and third graders for the first 10 or 12 years of my career, I sometimes felt that kids weren't engaged. I felt that they maybe weren't paying attention, that they were daydreaming. And the more I read and learn now about how we code our thinking in a visible way, I wish I could do that all over again and welcome those behaviors because I know in order to focus Many of the students I've had have the same tendency I have, and that's just to be making some kind of representation of our thinking, whether it's directly related to content in the classroom or just a way to process, like with repeated shapes Mm -hmm. or lines or the same word written over and over. I know now that for many of us, there's a reason behind that. You, you write and you show that it really is a strong tool for comprehension. So how do you make the case to the world that this isn't just drawing, this mm-hmm. isn't just doodling? Mm-hmm. Well, just yesterday in a couple of classrooms in Boston, 
uh, I saw it sort of materialize right before my eyes. Especially in this case, I was in a classroom without a relationship with the students, didn't have a lot of time to get to know them and, you know, sort of warm up to each other at all. But within just a few minutes, after learning some sketchnoting features, kids were able to show in just a few minutes' time what was going on inside their heads in a variety of ways where they had a lot of choice along Mm -hmm. the way. And it turned out to be, you know, if we had 20 students in the class, there were 20 different representations of the same informational content that we happened to be sketchnoting. So for me, I've just noticed over and over that some students, and I could say many students, are able to communicate to me and with each other, maybe more importantly, Mm -hmm. in a way that they might not be able to share in just conversation or writing about their thinking but their thinking is clear and evident and more meaningful when given a chance to slow down and show it in a way that allows them to express themselves differently. When I'm working with younger kids, we'll even weave our fingers together and talk about words and pictures. And if we can find a way to blend those together, that's a really powerful way to communicate. We'll talk about how it doesn't have to be pretty and it's not about making cute notes, um, but it's about the meaning and the thinking behind it all. So if I had to come up with a a one-sentence definition, it would be very difficult for me. But maybe a series of words might be better. (laughs) I think it's creative. I think it's meaningful. I think it's inclusive. I think it's welcoming. And I think it's uh, recognizing that we have such different thinking that it would be a shame not to allow sketchnoting or visual representation as a viable response option Mm -hmm. for our kids. You mentioned choice. You talked a little bit about it there. Say more about choice Mm -hmm. and how this is a tool to give students more choice. Mm -hmm. Some of these things might seem minor, but just even allowing students to have some ownership over materials and how they want to orient the space where they're working. So often, kids are presented with, even if it's a a graphic organizer that's sort of predetermined by someone else, and (laughs) they don't get a lot of chance to make those spatial decisions or decisions about color. I think part of the metacognitive process that Mm -hmm. really works hand in hand with sketchnoting is that kids are making decisions about how they think the text is organized. So that can tell me something about Mm -hmm. their thinking. So in essence, they're really starting far before where they might be starting if a graphic organizer was handed to them. They're thinking about all kinds of little things along the way. And in every step, I can notice and learn about what's going on, that invisible process inside mm-hmm. their heads. Let's talk about that process. What, what are more of those benefits for students to be doing sketchnoting? I think the benefits are many, and I feel as if I'm just scratching the surface. Mm. You know, if we look to research, which we do at the beginning of the book, And even in the time since the manuscript was turned over, there have been things I've read that are like just, wow, you know, I wish I could have included that (laughs) at the time. But the benefits are many, including making the content, if it's it's nonfiction, making it stickier so Mm. we're going to remember more and remember it longer, understanding in a different way because we're slowing down and able to notice and wonder at the same time that we're, you know, taking in new information. The benefits that I think maybe aren't 
appreciated enough or that we haven't as a profession talked about as much would be the reduction of stress and anxiety, Mm. helping kids to take a deep breath and giving them some space to think about their own learning. So, you know, in Comprehension Connections, the first chapter was devoted to metacognition and Mm. thinking about like ways we can make that concrete. But at that time, I wasn't even thinking about how time is sometimes what we need Mm -hmm. for a metacognitive thought to kick in. So I think sketchnoting provides a lot of obvious things like, you know, deeper comprehension and helps us with memory and focus. Mm -hmm. But I think there are some other benefits that maybe aren't as easy to measure that we can start to appreciate and use for our students' benefit in the classroom. We just filmed a video with you, which people can see online, of you doing some sketchnoting of your introduction. And one of the things that I found fascinating watching you was how you listen and almost store the sound of what you heard while you're sketchnoting. You sort of file it away that even when the person has stopped speaking, you still need more time to keep sketchnoting. How do you know when you're done? You know, mm-hmm. How do you know when the sketchnoting is done? Or is there pressure to just sort of be in that space and just sort of do it how you need to do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I think it's an and. So I have a notebook that I use in professional learning back home in my district and in meetings, just, you know, everyday kinds of meetings. And during planning time with teachers, I'll take some sort of visual notes and I know they're not intended to be shared. Mm. And so those might have a different look and I'm not using some of the planning kinds of thinking Mm. that I might otherwise. But many times the sketch notes that I'm creating, I know I want to share them with somebody. Maybe it's a teacher and we're working in a coaching relationship and it's observational kinds of notes And it's something I know the teacher will want to hold on to for a while. Mm -hmm. I want to make decisions there that will make it easy to read, that will show the teacher what I think is interesting and important right away. Mm -hmm. And then there are other times when it becomes even more important to think about all of the features. If I know it's going to be something that maybe I'm going to tweet out about a great article I read and I want to show a true synthesis of mm. what I was thinking. So sometimes it's just the sketch noting right there, live in the moment. Whatever happens, happens. It's just the process. And other times, just like with published writing would be, mm-hmm. or painting or lots of things, you know, <laughs> producing music, I want to spend time afterwards in reflection and making some other choices that will help communicate more clearly the information that I think is most important. And you write in the book that it is, there's power in sharing sketch noting. Like as a student, it's important, especially early on, you say it's important to share those sketch notes with others. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed, even if it's something as simple as a gallery walk mm-hmm. in a classroom, where students after a time can get out of their seats and walk around, they're very interested to see the visual representations Mm -hmm. that other kids come up with. And in sharing those, often kids will want to get right back to their own work because they're so filled with new ideas (laughs) after seeing what their friends have come up with. I think we're the same way. Mm -hmm. Another use that I've found for all of us in professional learning, for example, on Twitter, You know, there are so many great conferences and workshops that I wish I could attend and can (laughs) attend, and and we all feel that same way. But if I see a sketchnoted version 
of even a day-long workshop, I feel like I was there. Mm -hmm. I can see that person's thinking along with the great content of the workshop in a way that I might want to keep and share with others. How as an educator do I create the safe space for my students in the classroom to let them know it's okay to do sketchnoting mm -hmm. and to get into sketchnoting? Yeah, a couple of ways that I've tried with kids, you know, just sometimes starting with a picture book, like, isn't that the best way to start yeah. <laughs> for so many things? Um, but there are a couple of great picture books. They're listed in Ink and Ideas, and there are so many more out there as well, just to give kids that support in knowing that it's not about perfection, it's about process, that this isn't a detailed drawing or piece of artistry, you know, that we're going to frame necessarily. <laughs> and it's more about just finding a way to quickly show your thinking and always asking yourself what's interesting and mm -hmm. what's important and letting those questions drive you. What if there's a little resistance there? How do you, how do you work with that resistance? Yeah. And yesterday this happened. So it was in a fourth grade classroom. And you know, after introducing what we would be exploring during the lesson, one of the students, I think, was so articulate in being able to share her thinking right at the onset, saying, you know, I'm just already wondering how many things can go wrong with this for me. So I loved, I loved that she was able to, to say that. And some of the educators in the room were nodding in agreement, like, I'm feeling the same way. And I feel that way, too. But I want kids to know, and sometimes it's through just letting kids see not just their peers, but um, letting them see me mm -hmm. um, or other teachers struggle through that decision-making process and how it's not perfect. And even the video that we have taken of me trying to sketch note live, you know, I'm having all sorts of misgivings mm -hmm. along the way. So, of course, more practice makes you confident. But I almost like it that in the process of it all, you still have a bit of insecurity because I think it forces you to summarize and synthesize. Mm -hmm. And you're, it's really letting metacognitive thinking rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. And um, so in making all of those decisions all the time, it's sort of like the first time every time that you sketch note. How do we sort of get our brains ready for sketch noting? I think it's helpful to realize that we're using the same kinds of thinking that we use when we read closely and deeply, mm -hmm. that we're using the proficient reader strategies, for example. We are determining importance. We're making inferences. We're making connections and asking questions. And ultimately, that synthesis on paper or on the screen is really just like this amalgamation of all of those deep comprehension strategies. So I think it's helpful just to realize that the strategies you're already using as a reader, you're going to use those now. It's just with a pen or stylus in your hand. And it's going to feel different. It's going to look a little different than what you're used to writing on sticky notes or in the margins. But ultimately, what you're going to come up with is what I think can be even a richer way of showing what's normally invisible. Can you just sort of explain what deceleration is and why that matters? Well, I started thinking about this a couple of years ago, about how often I heard the word acceleration used mm. in schools where I work, in titles of articles and studies, and started thinking about the urgency that we all feel in classrooms mm. to move faster and push harder and cover more ground and all of that. And then thinking about how when I'm 
creating a visual representation of my thinking. It's like the opposite of all that. I'm feeling myself exhaling through mm. the pen in a way. And so I started thinking about how interesting it is <laughs> that you don't hear the word deceleration in education very often. I think the benefits from decelerating really have a strong connection to the depth of our thinking. Mm -hmm. And so at one point in the book, I have a, a sketch note from my digital sketch notebook where I just show all of the things that promote deceleration in my own life. They could be things like taking a walk in the woods mm -hmm. or reading a great book and lots of things that we all engage in to try to de-stress and clear our minds a bit. Mm -hmm. But thinking with pen in hand is right up there with all those things for me, and I've found it to be true with many of the kids I work with. Our thanks to Tani for her time today. You can learn more about her new book, Ink and Ideas, Sketch Notes for Engagement, Comprehension, and Thinking at Heinemann.com. You can also read a sample chapter and see videos of Tanny sketchnoting at blog.heineman.com. Be sure to follow Tanny on Twitter. She can be found at Tanny McG. Thanks for listening.